Good morning, everybody. Welcome to International Family Church. My name's Tom Kiesling. I'm one of the staff pastors. We'd like to welcome our online audience. Give them a big hand. Thank you for joining us today. We're so glad that you're with us today. It's a beautiful day outside. Hope that you got some great plans for the family this afternoon, but we are glad that you're here. Turn around to a couple people and say, you got milk? Back in the 90s, if you're familiar back with the ad campaigns back in the 90s when they were, you know, pushing the dairy and pushing the milk, we had those pictures. Put that picture up on the screen. Isn't that a great picture? Got that little froth around the brow? Got milk? That's the title of my message today. Before we do that, got a couple of fun facts about milk. I want to throw out a few questions to the audience here, see if you can guess them. How many gallons of milk makes nine gallons of ice cream? How many gallons of milk makes nine gallons of ice cream? From a spectrum of one to 50. Come on, throw some numbers out at me. Mo, you can't say anything. Lower. You guys were here already, so. What'd you say? 45, lower, higher, 25, right there, you get the prize. How many gallons of milk makes 20 pounds of cheese? 30, 25, you're on to me, brother. How many gallons of milk makes 11 pounds of butter? And how many gallons of milk does the average American consume in a year? 25 gallons. That's 400 glasses of milk. And one other question. What are one of the greatest snacks in America? Milk and... What, you don't have milk and cookies? Milk and cookies. And what's, what's the top-rated cookie? Yeah, it's, it's close. Chocolate chip is top. And number two is Oreo cookie. Remember times when you had milk and cookies? Still do it. When we go to the beach, we, take, we, we buy Oreo cookies in a box. Before we even get to the beach, they're all gone. That's just one of those things, you know. Amen. Turn around and tell somebody, you got milk? Today we're going to be talking about desiring the pure milk of God's Word. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you today for this wonderful privilege we have to come together to study the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you lead us and guide us in this teaching today. May we take away something that will inspire us, that we can apply to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our text this morning is found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, and I'm reading it from the Amplified Version. It says, like newborn babes, you should long for, the King James says, desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may, you may be nurtured and grow in respect to your salvation, if, in fact, you have already tasted 
the goodness of God and the gracious kindness of the Lord. How many have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. If you, if you are born again, if you are a child of God, if you have the Holy Spirit living within you, then you have tasted the powers of the world to come. You have tasted something heavenly, something divine. You have tasted the Father's love. His love, His acceptance, His goodness, His kindness, we've all tasted a measure of it in our own personal life. It's one of the things we first discover when we accept Jesus into our hearts. We learn about the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. The NLT says, anyone who belongs to Christ, put your hand up if you belong to Jesus today. Hallelujah. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. You're not the same person you used to be. The old life is gone, and listen, a new life has begun. And with that new life, listen, comes a new Godward desire. There comes like a, it's a spawning of spiritual hunger. When God touches your life, He touches your spirit, He makes you brand new, you're born again, God's spirit is joined with your spirit, and you have His nature, you have His love shed abroad in His heart, in your heart, and God touches you with a desire to know Him. What does He say about me? What does He say about my future? What has He said? To desire means to dote upon, to intensely crave for, or as we read in the scripture in the New Living Translation, to long for something, to have a craving for something. If we read over in the uh, book of Hebrews, the, the book of Hebrews was written to new believers who were Jews. And there was all kinds of pressure to pull them back into the way of Judaism. And they give a strong admonition here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. This admonition is given to new believers. It says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Well, what did they hear? The gospel of Jesus. Lest at any time we should let them slip. The word earnest heed means to hold your mind upon the word. It means give attention to the word. God wants to take us all on a journey of his word. And in that journey, as you read the word, as you meditate upon the word, as you hear the word preached, it's going into your heart and you're thinking about those things. And, and all of a sudden, as you are on that journey, revelation comes, understanding comes, wisdom comes into your life. You begin to see things you've never seen before about your life and about your future. Hallelujah. God wants to take each and every one of us on a journey in His Word. Hallelujah. You know, uh, I'm an observer of people. How many like watching people, just watching and observing? Yeah, we've got a lot of, a lot of television shows where you can sit and watch how crazy people get, right? Well, when I'm driving, I watch and observe other drivers and how they drive. And very frequently, this is what I see people doing. And sometimes you don't see hands and they're just on the highway, on the side roads. 
So many people are distracted with this thing, the distractions of life, and they don't realize God has a journey for each each of us. He wants both of our hands on the wheel, and He wants us free of distractions. Amen. And you think about, why is it so difficult for people to establish a habit of personal devotions where you're consistently feeding on God's Word because the devil is right there feeding you distractions. He's feeding you distractions. Oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. What about this? What about that? There's all kinds of distractions in our life that pull us away from the journey that God wants us to have. That journey is a path of discovery in the Word. The word is full of riches for us to enjoy. Can you say amen? Amen. Hebrews 2 verse 1 from the Passion reads it uh, this way. This is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard. What truths is he talking about? He's about to talking about the truths of the gospel, the four gospels, Paul's letters. These truths contain riches for us to enjoy. It's, he's encouraging these new believers, be engaged in the word. Be attentive to the word. Why? Because you don't want to drift off course. God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. He has a course for us to walk out. But if we allow ourselves to drift away from the word, if we don't find that time, we don't carve that slot in our day where we can take time to sit at his feet and listen to his word, well, the scripture warns us we could drift off course. We could miss the mark. We could miss out on God's plan and purpose for our life. Amen. Every one of us here today, you're here today because you desire God's will for your life. You desire God's plan to be worked out in your life. And the key component to to staying on course is to feed on God's word. So today, I want to encourage you to feed on God's Word, and, and I want to do so by saying this. There's, if you'll consistently feed on God's Word, let me give you five things that you will experience if you'll consistently feed on the Word of God. Are you ready today? Are you glad you came to church today? Tap your neighbor and ask them, you got milk? You see that milk on the brow? Number one, feeding on the word will protect you from sin. Research suggests that breastfeeding infants in the first six months lowers a baby's risk of several diseases, and it helps the infant build a strong immune system where it can repel disease and sickness, and ear infections, and all kinds of things. The same can be said for a new believer who feeds on the Word of God. God's Word in your heart builds a strong immune system to sin. So when sin comes knocking at your door, you don't have to say yes anymore. You have the power to say no. Hallelujah. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 11, Your word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against you. One of the things that is so important as infants, as babes in Christ, is that as we feed on the word of God, we begin to experience what God expects of us. 
And we, he puts in us as we feed on his word, we have a desire to please him and not ourselves. He creates that desire as we feed on the word to please him and not ourselves, to please him and not the world around us, to please him and say yes to him and no to our flesh. Yes to him and no to the world around us. It creates a desire to please the Lord. Oh, how many want to please the Lord? You know, life is so good when you want to please the Lord because when you're pleasing the Lord, his joy fills your heart. Hallelujah. How do you get there? You feed on the word of God. Lord, I've hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, thank God if we do sin against the Lord, and we all do sin against the Lord, look at your neighbor and say, yeah, we all do it. We all do it. We have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus. Amen. And you don't have to wallow around in your sin. You don't have to stay out of fellowship with God for weeks on end. You can always run back to Jesus. Amen. Amen. But feeding on the word of God will build a strong immune system in you so you can resist temptation and walk in victory. Hallelujah. Tap your neighbor and say, you got milk? Should be feeding on the word. Number two, feeding on the word will lead to a life of peace. The psalmist again said in Psalm 119, verse 165, great peace have they which love your law. And nothing, say nothing, nothing shall offend them. Peace includes the absence of agitation. Walking free from the devil's accusations up here in your mind. How many know that your mind is, can be a battleground sometimes? You're plagued with thoughts and you're agitated by, by thoughts. The devil speaking to you about the past, bringing up the past, bringing up lies, bringing up deception, all of those things. Well, when you're feeding on the word of God, it pushes all those agitations out of your thought life. Great peace have they which love your law. And nothing shall offend them. Peace also includes being free from offenses because of relationships we have. I mean, we have people in relationship to us that that we are accountable to. We have uh, people that are in relationship to us that are like peers. We have people that uh, maybe on the job or in your career that are accountable to you. How many know that in all kinds of relationships and every shape and size, there's going to be offenses? There's going to be offenses. There's going to be misunderstandings. There's going to be some harsh words. There's going to be things said and done that can be an offense to you. Amen. But if the word is in your heart, those things don't bother you. Oh, she's just having a bad day. Oh, he's just not himself today. Oh, I'll pray. Oh, what a great idea. I'll pray for that person. Rather than get reactionary, get toxic and react to what's been said or done to you, you've got something greater on the inside of you. Great peace have they which love your law. And nothing, say nothing. Nothing Nothing shall offend them. You know, offense is one of the tools of the devil. And if you're offended by something, it's like being hooked up on a coat rack. You can't go anywhere. You're stuck. Until you forgive, until you let go, until you move on. It's another beautiful promise in Isaiah chapter 54. 
God promised the children of Israel if they would pursue after him, he said, all your sons, and we can include daughters, shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established, you shall be far from oppression, you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come nigh you. The peace of God can remove all drama out of your life. Oh, my, my, my. And there's, a lots, there's lots of drama every day. There's drama all around us. But you don't have to be a drama king. You don't have to be a drama queen. How do you get delivered from that sort of lifestyle? I mean, to be around a person who's filled with drama is exhausting. It's tiring. It's like, oh, are you with me? I don't want to be that kind of person to someone else. How do you be a person that's drama-free? Fill your heart with the Word. Feed on the Word until your heart is full. Great peace have they which love thy law. Are you with me? Tap someone and say, got milk? Got milk? The third thing feeding on the Word will do for you, and this is, this is so important, it will produce a passion for God. Amen. Amen. Remember the story of Jesus after His resurrection, how He appeared and He walked with some of the disciples, Cleopas and others. Actually, there were two who were walking together on the road to Emmaus. From Jerusalem to Emmaus, it was about a seven-mile walk. So they were walking for quite some time, and, and Jesus showed up incognito. They didn't know it was Jesus. And as they're walking along, they're talking about all the circumstances that fell around Jesus' death and crucifixion. And they're talking about they were sad, they were filled with doubts and concerns, and, you know, these are the disciples that Jesus told I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise up again. Yet they were slow to believe the words of Jesus. And so as they were walking on the road to Emmaus, Jesus began to talk to these two disciples. And he began to share with them everything that the law of Moses said and everything that the prophets had said. I mean, this was probably a two-hour conversation. And then they stopped by a, a, a place and they asked the Lord to stay with them, and they went into the house and sat down and broke bread. And when Jesus broke bread, their eyes were open, and they said, it's Jesus. And listen to what they said. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, while he opened to us the scriptures? While they're walking in the midst of their doubt and unbelief, overwhelmed by the circumstance, something took place in their heart of hearts while Jesus spoke to them. It was a fire, a fire of God's compassion, a fire of God's passion. That fire brewed in their heart because Everything that Jesus said from the law of Moses to the prophets, it inspired faith. It inspired hope. It inspired love. Are you with me? And so when they, got to the, when they got to the house and Jesus broke bread, they realized they were in the midst of the resurrected Lord, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
feeding on God's word, when you open up the scriptures, it will produce a fire in your heart. It'll produce a passion in your heart to go after God. How many want to go after God? How many want to be a lifelong marathoner? How many want to cross the finish line and finish strong? I do. Absolutely. What is that going to take? It's going to take passion. It's going to take fire. We all need passion to overcome obstacles and hardship in life. There's going to be hardship in life. There's going to be difficult things that you have to walk through. Amen. Listen, a person of passion is willing to sacrifice. If you love your children, if you're passionate about your kids, guess what? You'll be willing to sacrifice for your kids. Guys, if you're passionate about your wife, how many guys are passionate about your wives? Every hand should go up in this place or we need one major giant counseling session. Oh, my goodness. Guys, if you're passionate about your life, your wife, you will lay down your life sacrificially to meet her needs. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wives, if you're passionate about your husband, you won't nag him, but you'll pray for him and you'll do whatever it is to make him successful. You could go a little louder, wives. Think about what passion does. If you are truly passionate, you are willing to make sacrifices. And if you are passionate about God, you are willing to say yes to God no matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. Isn't that what Jesus did for us when he picked up that cross and he's walking to Golgotha's skull? He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He laid it all down for us. He sacrificed it all for us. Shouldn't we respond in kind? So I don't know how to get to that place. Feed on the word. Build a fire on the inside of your heart. We have a great example. His name was Jeremiah. You know, if you read the book of Jeremiah, it's kind of a sad book because the nation of of Israel was on a downhill, you know, slide. They were turning away from God, worshiping idols. They were killing the prophets. They persecuted Jeremiah. They threw him in jail. They wanted, the leaders wanted nothing to hear from Jeremiah. They just wanted Jeremiah to say some pleasantries. And Jeremiah had a word from the Lord, and it wasn't a good word. It's a word about coming judgment. Amen. But in the midst of that difficult situation for Jeremiah, he knew that if he opened up his mouth to speak the word of God, he would get some guff for it. He could end up in jail. He could be persecuted. A number of things could happen. But listen to what he said in Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Jeremiah said, Well, I'm not going to make mention of the Lord, nor speak any more in His name. That was his thought. But notice what he says here. But His word was in my heart. Listen. His word was in my heart. Jeremiah was in a difficult situation. He knew the price he'd have to pay for speaking the word of the Lord. But he said, his word is in my heart as what? A burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary with holding back, forbearing. I could not stay. In other words, Jeremiah said, I have to speak the word of the Lord. 
given the circumstances were so dire for him and the price that he would have to pay was so high because he had fed on the word of God, he had a spiritual passion. I choose to obey God versus the world around me. I choose to obey God than the comforts of my flesh. Amen. We can all use more spiritual passion. Amen. Amen. Tap someone and say, you got milk? Yeah, we need some milk. Number four, feeding on the word of God will bring you wisdom and favor. Feeding on the word will bring you wisdom and favor, not just for you, but for your children as well. Do you remember the story of Jesus at the tender age of 12? As custom was in Jesus' day, three times a year, the the Jewish people would go to Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts of uh, Passover and Pentecost and tabernacles. And so many people are are going to Jerusalem, and so they're traveling to Jerusalem in in large groups, and and, uh, they, they stop by the temple, and Jesus is in the temple, and his parents go on with the large group, and all of a sudden they realize Jesus is not with us. Where's Jesus? So you could imagine they were a bit frantic at, 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 at that moment. And then they found them. They found Jesus in the temple talking, answering questions with the Pharisees and the scribes. And th- he responded to his parents and he said, don't you know I need to be about my father's business? But what's interesting, we look at that story and we find these two verses In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature, physical stature, and in favor with God and man. Now, he's 30, 33 years old at this point in his life. You know his custom was to be in synagogue every week. And you know his custom was to read the scroll. You know his custom was to be discipled by his parents. He was part of a Jewish family. Well, he was, we can make a safe assumption that Jesus, all through his teen years, all through his young years, to the time he became an adult, he was a feeder of the word of God. He had a passion for the word. He was on a journey in the word. And what did that journey do for Jesus? What did that continual feeding of the word of God do for Jesus? It brought him into a place of great wisdom. He walked in wisdom that exceeded his years of, 10, of 12 years old. I mean, he was confounding the Pharisees and the scribes as a 12-year-old. Hello, somebody. Again, verse 52, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all the people. Think about this. Parents, it's important that we embrace the mandate. We all have a mandate to disciple our children, to be passionate for God, to be committed to the Word, and to be constantly speaking to our kids about the Word. When we get up, we talk about the Word. When we go to bed, we talk about the Word. When we get in the car, drive to school, we're talking about the Word. When we clean in house, we're talking about the Word. We just look for every opportunity as parents to feed our children the Word of God. Are you with me? Because listen, I, I think this is really a good rule of thumb that our children by the age of 12, this is, you know, the pubescent years in our children's lives go from nine to about 14. 
And it's right that window of opportunity we have as parents to establish their mindset, their biblical worldview, their passion, their convictions, their values. All those things can be established by the tender age of 12 years old. Amen. And what that does for young children, before they get into their teen years, they have the wisdom of God. They have the sense to know this is the way, walk in it. Watch out for that person. Watch out for that attitude. Watch out for this thing, right? God wants that established in our children's lives at an early age. How do we get to that place? We have to be feeders of the Word of God. We have to feed ourselves, and then we have to feed our children. If we'll do that, we have the promise of wisdom and favor. Amen. Praise God. I know that's, that's settling down. That's settling down, right? Amen. It's important at that age, our children take personal responsibility. It's important that our children at that age fully understand the laws of consequence. You do this, you get that. You do this, you get that. Isn't that true? It's at that time before they're affected by what's going on in our education circles or in our culture circles, that they already have biblical values rooted in their heart. You might say, oh, that can't be done. Yes, it can be done. You pick up a lifestyle of feeding the word yourself. You know, it's like a bird. You ever see a bird feed its chicks? It feeds on it itself, and then it takes it and sticks it in their mouth. Amen. If you're passionate about Jesus, your kids will be passionate about Jesus. If you're passionate about the world, your kids will be passionate about the world. They will follow your passions. Amen. We can give our children such an advantage in life that when they hit their 20s, they already have a sense and a knowing as to their call, their vocation, their giftings. They know where they're going. They're not wasting time, spending time and money, traveling all over the place, spending money, going to parties, doing all that stuff. No, they've got mission. They've got focus. They're prepared for life. They're prepared to make a mark on life. Are you with me? As the scripture says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when they are of age, they will not depart from it. Dads, we can give our sons wisdom from the word so that it becomes a foundation for their success. Listen to what Proverbs 4.12 says. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let her go. Keep her for she is your life. Wow. You know, single moms, God will give you the grace to be dad in the house. Amen. Dads are good at setting boundaries. Dad are good at, 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 at giving discipline in the right way. Amen. Whether you're a single mom or not, if you are a single mom, God will give you the grace to be dad in the home especially in those pubescent years. They need dad. Well, you can be both mom and dad. Did you know God is referred to as El Shaddai, both father and mother? He'll give you the qualities that you need as a single parent to pour into the life of your children. Sometimes you might think, I I just feel like a military sergeant. I'm just barking orders all the time. I remember those seasons in my life when my kids were younger. I felt like a military sergeant. I just barking orders all the time, setting boundaries all the time. 
started getting feeling bad about it, about myself. Boy, you're a mean dad. No, I'm setting boundaries. I'm feeding my children. I'm setting, I'm setting the course for them so they can have wisdom and favor in their life. Amen. God wants us all to walk in that wisdom and favor. How does wisdom and favor come from God? Feeding on the Word of God. Feeding on the Word of God. Tap somebody and say, you got milk? Hope you do. Some of you are going to go home today. You're going to get a big carafe of milk and a big box of Oreo cookies. And you're going to say, thank you, Pastor Tom. Good word today. Right? Number five, and this is the final one. Feeding on the Word of God will give you power over your adversary. Every one of us here today has an adversary. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a tempter. He's called the accuser of the brethren, and he stands as a hindrance in your life. And he won't let you go experience all the blessings of God without hindering you, without trying to throw something into your life without tempting you. Hello? Think about Jesus and his temptation when he was about to start his ministry. At the age of 30, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and God spoke to him in an audible voice, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness, and he prayed for 40 days and fasted for 40 days. And in the midst of that time, The tempter came, knocking on his door. The Bible says that he came out of that temptation in the power of the Spirit. He came out on top, not on the bottom. He came out of that temptation victorious, not beaten up. What was it that enabled him to succeed? When temptation came, Jesus said, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Second temptation. Jesus responded to Diablos, the liar. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. He's quoting the book of Deuteronomy. Jesus at that age was filled with the word of God. What Bible did they have? They had the Old Testament back then. You'll find all throughout the Gospels, Jesus is quoting the book of Deuteronomy. Third temptation came. The devil was trying to tempt him again. And Jesus answered it and said, It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. In each and every case, in each and every point of temptation, in the midst of pressure, because Jesus fed on the Word of God, He had something on the inside to respond to a crisis, to respond to a pressure, to respond to a temptation. What's in your heart? Is it TV programs? Is it Facebook browsing? Is it Instagram? What is in your heart? Is it the Word? Are you on a journey for the Word of God? Are you in the process of discovering who you are? God's plan. God's love. It all comes to finding it in the Scriptures. God's amazing love for you. The wonderful plans that He has for us. 
We all discover it for ourselves personally when we feed on the Word of God. Feeding on the Word puts us in a place of victory. I'm looking at a bunch of folks who are more than conquerors. I'm looking at a bunch of folks who has someone who's greater on the inside than the one who's on the outside. I'm looking at a bunch of folks whom the devil has been placed under your feet. I'm looking at a bunch of folks who are called more than conquerors. I'm looking at a bunch of folks who triumph in Christ in every situation. Why? Because we feed on the Word of God. I just want to encourage you, church. This is one thing you'll be doing. I've been on a journey feeding on the Word of God for the past 40 years. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, the Word of God never gets dry. It's always fresh manna. It's always fresh manna. The Word of God never gets boring because I'm always making new discoveries about God and His goodness and His kindness. And I'm making discoveries about myself and God's plans and purposes for this season, for the next season, and the next season. We need to be feeding on the Word of God each and every day. Carve out time. Establish a discipline where you are constantly feeding on the Word of God. You know, back, back uh, when I was a new believer, we had God's promise books. Didn't have the apps today. I mean, it's so easy to feed on the Word of God today. We got version. version is a great app. Get that on your phone. You can sign up for devotionals. They've got all kinds of devotionals that are categorized that, categorized that you can feed on. Amen. Let's feed on the Word of God. Let me close with this promise. This is a wonderful promise that God gives to us concerning His Word. It's found in Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11. It says, The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. God says, It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always, everybody say always. It always produces what? Fruit. God says about his word, it will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. When we feed on the word of God, that word that we read, it lifts off off the page and it enters into our heart. And it causes our, our, our heart to become a prosperous soul. I'm looking at a bunch of prosperous people here today. Hallelujah. Are you glad for the Word of God? Aren't you glad that you can get on on our journey of feeding the Word of God? Would you stand to your feet today before we close? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your Word today. We thank you, Lord. You watch over your Word and you perform it in our lives. Father, I thank you that we are a people that are not moved by the circumstances around us, but we're moved by the fire you put in our hearts for your word. Lord, you said, wherever you send your word, it will accomplish its purpose. Wherever you send your word, it will bring fruit. Wherever you send your word, it will 
prosper. Lord, I thank you for each and every head of household. I thank you for each and every husband and wife. I thank you for each and every young person, every single person. Thank you, Father. As we commit to feed on your word, we can look into our future and say, I'm a fruitful person. I'm a prosperous person. I'm an overcoming person. The word is working mightily in me. It doesn't matter what I see. What God said, it will be in my life and in my future. Hallelujah. If you believe that, lift your hands and just begin to thank God for his word in your life. Thank God you're on a journey today, a journey of discovery, a journey of revelation, a journey of greater understanding concerning the plans, the purposes God has for you today. Hallelujah. We thank you for your word today. May your word produce a fire in us, a greater passion to love you, to serve you, to obey you, to do all that you've called us to do. May your word give us the wisdom and the favor that we need in every situation and circumstance. May your word open up doors for us that we cannot open up for ourselves. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. If you would just take a moment, please, to just bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to extend an invitation to those of you that might be here today, and maybe this is your first Sunday with us. Maybe you're new to International Family Church. I want to extend an invitation to you to come into a personal relationship with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The gospel, the good news is that God sent His only Son to die on a cross to bleed, to die, to be buried, and then to be raised again so that we could be justified before God, so that we could be forgiven of sin. We are all sinners. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But God has an answer. He has a solution. And that solution is found in a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to pray a simple prayer. We call it the sinner's prayer. When you pray that prayer and you believe it with all your heart, God will meet you right where you are. He'll reveal himself to you as Lord, as Savior, as your friend in this life and the life to come. If you've never prayed this prayer and you'd like to pray it with me, would you raise your hand so I can see who you are? Everybody's heads bowed, eyes closed. I see that hand. God bless you. Just raise your hand so I can see you. are. I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else? You can put that hand once it's down. I see that hand. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you. You can put it down. Anyone else? Yes, sir. I see that hand. God bless you. Who else? Just raise your hand so I can see who you are. I'm not going to call you toward the front. God bless you, bro. I got you. Anyone else? Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to say a simple prayer. And we're all going to pray it together. And I want you to repeat these words from the bottom of your heart. Just say this after me. God in heaven, I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me, for my sins. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. 
I accept you into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.